open with me, please, to Second Corinthians chapter 12. For our first verse, our first reading, we're only going to read a few verses each for time's sake. First Corinthians 12. Sorry, Second Corinthians 12. Pardon me, second. Second. Verse 1 says, It is expedient for me, doubtless to glory, I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether in body, I cannot tell, or whether out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. Notice that. Such an one caught up to the third heaven. They knew such a man, whether in body or out of the body, I cannot tell, God knoweth how that he was caught up into paradise and heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Turn with me to Second Corinthians chapter 9. Second Corinthians chapter 9. Let's just read the last verse, verse 15. The apostle says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Then go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Speaking of the Lord Jesus, Peter tells us in verse 8, whom having not seen, ye love in whom though now you see him not yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Father, take your word and inscribe it in our hearts and glorify the Son of God. Father, I am conscious of your spirit. I'm conscious that you're here. And Lord, please help me in my frailty to say nothing that would be, uh, Father, anything that would cause thy spirit to fly from my breast, nor to lift thine anointing from off this vessel. So, Father, we pray and ask in the worthy name of the Lord Jesus. I ask you, Father, speak to every heart and guide my, my teaching and preaching tonight and guard my lips, put a watch over them and glorify the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Part two tonight of our message last week, which is entitled simply The Unspeakable. We have in our first reading, In 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 4, unspeakable words. Then in 2 Corinthians 9 and 15, there is an unspeakable gift. Then in 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 8, there's unspeakable joy. Unspeakable words, unspeakable gift, unspeakable joy. We looked last week at how can the finite human ever understand anything from God. And the only way we can is by His Spirit showing us, revealing Him to us. 
We can't know God unless the Holy Ghost shows us and according to the word which our God has given to us. So the word unspeakable simply in the New English Dictionary, I told you last week, simply means something beyond words or something indescribable. Something beyond words or something indescribable. We looked at 10 attributes. There are more, but 10 attributes of God. I'll flick through them very briefly and quickly. First one was the aseity of God. In other words, God is so independent that he does not need us. You can I go into it further, and you can get last week's if you want to know more. God doesn't need us, but he chooses and allows us to partake of his work and his plan on the earth. Secondly, there was the goodness of God. The attributes of God are that which is attributed to God's nature and God's character. The goodness of God, in other words, we looked at he is omnibenevolent. Omnibenevolent means he is all good. Goodness, he is the, the, the level. Uh, he is the final standard of goodness, and he alone is good. We looked at that also. Thirdly, we looked at the grace of God. Fourthly, we looked at the love of God. Fifthly, we looked at the mercy of God. And sixthly, we looked at the holiness of God. How the holiness of God is the only attribute of God which is elevated to what's known as the third degree in the whole of Scripture. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Or holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty in the book of Revelation. So the attribute of God's holiness God expects his church to be holy. God expects us to walk right, to live right. And so it's the only attribute which is elevated to the third degree. Seventhly, we looked at God's immutability. He does not change his immutability. Eighthly, we looked at his incomprehensibility, that there is no searching of his understanding. Ninthly, we looked at God's impeccability, that God in himself cannot sin. Not he does not sin, he cannot sin. His impeccability, something which is impeccable means it's flawless and it's faultless. And God is flawless and faultless. Tenthly, we looked at God's sovereignty, his omnipotence, his, all, his almightiness in other words, his providence and his kingship. Kingship are wrapped up in his sovereignty. So we looked at that. So Paul announces in our reading of unspeakable words. He again cries of an unspeakable gift. And Peter affirms of unspeakable joy. Unspeakable words and unspeakable gift and unspeakable joy. Let's look at them. First of all, unspeakable words. Whenever Paul says he knew a man above 14 years ago, he's speaking in the third person of himself. Whether in the body or out of the body, he didn't know he was caught up to paradise or to the third heaven, to the abode of the angels, if you want. And so he says he was seen. He's seen and he was told things that he says their words were unspeakable, not lawful that a man could utter them. And we often wonder, and many theologians have tried to figure out, Paul, what exactly were you told, but we we just don't know. Here's what he says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 9. And he takes this as a reading or a, a, as an example or a fulfillment even or a looking forward even in the future to from Isaiah 64 and verse 4. Listen to what he says. 
1 Corinthians 2 and 9, I hath not seen, nor ear heard, neither have entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. In other words, you and I, when we see the book of Revelation, especially which was given by Christ to the Apostle John, and we hear of pearly gates, and we read of the apostles' names, and we read of the foundations on it, and we read of the gates of, of, the, of the prophets, or the foundations of the prophets, and we, we read of all the golden streets, and we read of all the crystal river. Brothers and sisters, what the Lord is trying to do is give our finite ability, our finite mind, something to relate to because the things of heaven are greater still. The things of heaven are way beyond this earth's gold. They're way beyond a crystal sea, or way beyond a crystal river. It's way beyond the tree yielding fruit. It's for you and I to understand something, that God has a great plan, that God has a great purpose, that God's heaven and kingdom will be wonderful, and that the place with God will be like nothing that you've ever seen, nor heard, nor can comprehend, nor understand. You just won't be able to grasp it in this life. Heaven is a place, and don't you miss it for the world. Let me say it again. Heaven is a real place, and don't you miss it for the world. Don't miss it for the loss of the world. Don't miss it for the things of the world. Don't miss it for the lies of the world. Don't miss it for the desires of the flesh and for the world. Heaven is a real place, and don't miss it for the world. Don't let your friends cause you to miss it. Don't let your family cause you to miss it. Don't let anyone or anything cause you to miss that which God hath prepared for you. I have not seen nor ear heard, neither hath entered into the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for him, them that love him. And in other words, Paul has seen more than he could express. And Paul has seen more than he could tell. He can't describe it. He says, look, what I've seen and what I've heard, he says, if I begin to tell you, there's no way in this life, anyhow, I could even begin to explain it unto you. It's so wonderful. It's so beautiful. It's so majestic. It's so mighty, and there's so much of it. And he says, it's everlasting, and it's eternal. He says, and and besides all of that, Christ is there. Where Jesus is, there's heaven there. Here we see where even Paul says, your eye hasn't seen, nor has your ear heard, and it cannot be even described. He says, there's things beyond this life. There's things beyond our vision. There's things beyond this world. There's things beyond this three score years and ten. And if by reason of strength you get another ten or twenty or thirty even. He says there's things beyond this that are indescribable. There's things beyond this life that are unspeakable. I can't describe them to you. In fact, he says I'm not allowed to if I could. I'm not allowed to if I could. God has a great surprise, as it were, in store for all of his children, all those who are in Christ. What are you selling heaven for? There's people sell heaven for a drink at the weekend. 
There's people that sell heaven for drugs at the weekend. There's people that sell heaven for the lust of their flesh. There's people that sell heaven, as it were. They, they shun it for the here and now. For the here and now. So, Paul, I wonder what it was that you've seen. The wonderful thing is when we read what Paul has seen and what he's been able to tell us, it goes even further again. Listen, let me give you an example. The unspeakable words which was not lawful for a man to utter. The word unspeakable here is the word aratas. Aratas. And that means words too sacred to be uttered. Words too sacred to be told. In other words, these things are precious. These things are precious. Jesus talked about uh, casting your peril before swine. It'll be trampled on their foot. Things that are precious to you. There might be things God's done in your life and they're so precious you tell people and they look at it and say, well, isn't that nice? Or you tell people what God has done in your life or what, how he's came through in prayer and, and you think they should be feeling exactly the same way that you are and thinking exactly the same way you are and you find that they don't care. Precious things. Well, in a greater scale and a higher level, God has this heaven. God has this and he showed Paul some of it. And when he showed him it, he says, now you're not allowed to tell. Imagine trying to keep a secret like that. Who could keep a secret like that? See the word here for unlawful is not lawful for a man to utter or it's unlawful for a man to utter. The word lawful here is the word este. And it means I am not permitted. I am commanded by God. I have been laid down a law of his that what he has shown me, I am not allowed to speak another word. But Paul says, but what I can tell you is I have not seen, nor ear hath heard, Neither hath it entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for them which love him. God has prepared a place for you. Jesus says in John chapter 14, I go to prepare a place for you, didn't he? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself that where I am, there ye may be also. Our God is a God of preparation. He's a God who's coming for a prepared people. He's a wonderful Lord. He's a wonderful God. I notice this. He was given a law not to speak a word. He was not allowed to utter one single thing more than God would allow him to. Think about this. All of Paul's teachings were brought from the Old Testament. The, old, the scriptures which Paul speak about uh, the scriptures which Paul relate to, the scriptures which the apostles relate to, are all the Old Testament because there was no New Testament written. So they're looking at the Old Testament scriptures and now the revelation of God comes. And the Gospels are written of the life of Christ. But now Paul later, he's caught up and he's shown these marvelous things. And they were unlawful that a man should even utter them. Paul was told at some point, I'll show you. 
but this is for my people. I'll show you what you're not permitted to say. In other words, in the Old Testament, when Paul's looking at the Scriptures, we are told of the kingdom of God and of Christ. In the New Testament, we are taught about the kingdom of God and of Christ. And in the kingdom age, we will have the totality of the kingdom of God and of his Christ. The kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our God and of his Christ. Now, I notice, stay with me. I have not seen nor ear heard. Remember, brothers and sisters, it was Paul's teaching ministry on the grace of God. Now, there is always grace in God. Always, right through the Old Testament. People think it's only the New Testament there's grace. There's grace all over the Old Testament. But here we see the grace of God is, if you want, formulated. It's theologized. It's taught. And Paul reveals it. That we're saved by grace through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. And not of works, lest any man should boast. People are saying, what? No more law? Christ is the end of the law? Christ took the curse of the law? And Paul's saying, yes, now let me show you. And he lays out the very things of Abraham. And he lays it out with Esau and Isaac and Jacob. And he goes right through it. And he says, this is where God has built us up for his people to be. And he shows the grace of God in his teaching and his letters. He also shows us and teaches us. And again, it's all in the Old Testament. He also formulates for us the the, the doctrine of predestination and the election of God. That God knew us from before the foundation of the world. He said to Jeremiah, before I formed thee in the belly, I knew ye, knew thee, and I ordained thee to be a prophet. God says, I have already ordained you to be something in me. And brothers and sisters, those of you who are saved and washed in the blood and filled with the Spirit and called by grace, God has chosen you for some destined purpose. You're not just another run-of-the-mill Christian. Every one of you has a purpose in Almighty God. Paul brought this teaching out in his letters. It was Paul who told us of church governance and how to govern a church body. He taught us how to govern an assembly, an individual assembly. He told us how to set up the the elders and uh, and the deacons. He told us about, about pastors and leaders, and he showed us how to do all that. It wasn't in the Scriptures before. Paul also is the one who brought out the, 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 the second coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Yet Christ told us about it himself. Paul told, tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he tells us of, of the body being changed at the resurrection, at the coming of the Lord Jesus. We sang tonight, behold he comes, riding on the cloud, shining like the stars, or whatever it was, shining, shining like the sun. And we sang it tonight. There's no God like Jehovah, but holy comes the coming of Christ. But when he comes, the dead in Christ shall rise first. First Thessalonians chapter four. He tells us of that. He says that the dead in Christ will rise first. Paul tells us that. Yet Daniel mentions it. Christ mentions it. The resurrection of the dead. Paul formulates it. And he's given these words. Paul tells us of the body being changed, 1 Corinthians 15. This mortal shall put on immortality. This corruptible shall put on incorruption. He tells us there's bodies that are raised, uh, uh, sown in a natural body, raised in a spiritual. He tells us all of this. How do you know it, Paul? How do you know these things? And where did you find this out? 
I believe he found it out when the man about 14 years ago, he says, was caught up to the third heaven. And he was showing things, and you're allowed to talk about this, Paul. But don't open your mouth about all of this. The glory of the angels, the glory of the Father, the marvelous Son of God in the midst, who alone dwells in unapproachable light. How do you explain it? He's unspeakable. It's unspeakable. Heaven, the kingdom of God, which will invade heaven, invading this earth when Christ comes. And this earth will be just like heaven. Christ will rule and reign. And it was Paul who told us the breaking of bread. Jesus instituted it, and he told us, this is my body. Jesus said of a Paul, he starts to enlarge it. And he starts to tell us that for uh, uh, that, that when we do not discern the Lord's body, that is, the brothers and sisters in the body of Christ, many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep, or listen, many die. Many die. Paul brings all of this out. Some say this was laid aside for John and Patmos when he gave us the revelation of the golden streets. But I don't know. We're not told that. Paul says the words are unspeakable. Brothers and sisters, heaven will invade earth. And this earth, from here to heaven and back again, will be a place that is unspeakable. I trust everyone are saved tonight. I trust everyone are washed in the blood of Jesus by faith tonight. Because if you're not, you will not be there. You will not be in the kingdom of God. So let's take a little quotation from C.S. Lewis, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe writer, and so on. Listen to what he says. Nothing is yet in its true form. Nothing is yet in its true form. And isn't it so true that nothing here that we see will be the same when Christ returns? He will make everything all over again. Behold, I make all things new, he says. Peter says, now we are looking for a, a new heaven and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Oh, what a day that will be. And my Jesus, I shall see. Secondly is the unspeakable gift. Second Corinthians 9 and 15. Paul says, thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. Notice the gift is his. It's his giving. In other words, it's by grace. It's giving. God receives nothing. We receive everything. And it's his giving. God our Father gave to us his only begotten Son. His only begotten Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, is his unspeakable gift. Let me tell you what I mean. Paul says, thanks be to God. The word thanks here is the word charis, and it's the word, the exact same word for grace. So now if God is giving us, and we're to give thanks, we're to give grace to God. 
Stay with me. This is what it means. It stresses the character of the benefit of the gracious gift given. Let me give you, let me tell you what Paul's saying here. You know, sometimes when it's your birthday or maybe it's a Christmas time, I don't know, or whatever, and someone buys you that lovely jumper you never wanted. Well, thank you very much. <laughs> and it's still up in the roof space <laughs> or wherever you've put it. It's not much benefit in it, but the thanks isn't really, oh, thank you. I really do appreciate you thinking about me. Thanks, and whenever they're away, I just say, well, stick that in the roof space. Well, you see, that is not the, the charis that Paul speaks of. He says, when we look at this unspeakable gift of the Son of God, when we look at whom he is, when we get the grips of what the Scriptures say about him, and God gave him for me. Listen, God gave him for me, and God gave him for you. He says, when we realize the benefit that's in Christ, forgiveness of sin, justification, cleansing from all unrighteousness, the benefit in Christ, oh, heaven is our, is our eternal end and everlasting life, and we're righteous and justified before our Father. There's so many things that are in Christ. Then that benefit, he says, since you're benefiting so much from his gift, Oh, how joyful and giving thanks should you be to the Father. That's what he's saying. Do you know why we don't thank the Father in worship or praise or prayer enough? Because we don't fully grasp at times exactly what he gave us. We don't grasp what he's done for us. We don't grasp what Christ has done for us. We don't fully grasp it. He gave his very heart. His very mind, the darning of his bosom. He gave heaven's best. He gave heaven's glory. He gave him. And whenever we realize who he is, the Lord Jesus Christ, then when we see that, and, and as much of it we can understand with our finite human minds, with the help of the Holy Ghost, then we praise him with all we are, and we thank him with all we have, and we worship him with every fiber of our being and every bit of our soul. Thanks be unto God. That's the way Paul is saying it. He's not saying, well, thanks be to God. You know, you go, especially down south of Ireland, you hear it all the time, ah, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. That's all you hear. But they don't mean that. It's a saying. But Paul isn't saying the same. It's, thanks be unto God. I know whom Christ is. I know whom you've given to me. I know what I am. And I know where I was going. And I know what you saved me from, Lord. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. You're worthy to be praised and I worship you. That's what Paul's saying. That's what he's saying. Thanks be to God for his unspeakable gift. The unspeakable gift of Christ here, it does not mean that Christ must not be spoken of as the unspeakable words must not be uttered. It does not mean that Christ must not be spoken of for he is the Father's unspeakable gift. No, but we must be Christ-centered in all our ways, and all we are, and all we have, and all we do. We must witness Christ. We must preach Christ. We must teach Christ. 
We must speak Christ. We must live Christ. And the idea here is, is his unspeakable gift. It means it gives the idea of the gift, i.e. here being the Lord Jesus, being so indescribable with so many attributes and so many benefits and all that is invested in him that you will not ever be able to describe him and all that he is. Being indescribable, there are so many various explanations of this gift. And God gave him, God gave it, God gave him to you, and he gave him to me. The word here for unspeakable is different than our first unspeakable. It's the word, it's the word anikdiakatos. And it means something that has many variants to it and so much in it, you'll never understand it, comprehend it. You just cannot fathom it. And such is Christ. Such is the Lord Jesus. Looking at him, he is a man of flesh. Very flesh. Looking at him, he is the form of a man. Looking at him, he just looks and sounds like a prophet of the Old Testament. Looking at him, you see grace and truth. But within him is Almighty God. Within him. This is no ordinary man. Listen, let's try just for a moment to explain him in the words of the Bible with types and shadows and so on on the Bible. His unspeakable gift. He is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the ending. He is the first and the last. He which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He is the author and the finisher of our faith or the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's called in the scriptures the author of our salvation. He's known as the the blessed and the only potentate. He's called the bright and the morning star. He's called day star, day spring, and he's called the desire of all nations, our dwelling place. He is called faithful creator. He is known as our foundation and our fortress. He is the fountain of living waters. And he is the head of all principality and power. He is our hope. He is our hiding place. He is our habitation. He is our help. And he's our house of defense. He is the invisible, the immortal, the incorruptible God. Manifest in the flesh, he is called Emmanuel, which being interpreted as God with us. He is the great I am whom spoke from the burning bush unto Moses. I am that I am hath sent thee, he said. He is called Jehovah, Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He's called the just. He's called the judge of the quick and the dead. He is the king of Israel. He is the king of saints. He is the king of glory. He is the king of heaven. He is the king of kings or the king over all kings or the king above all kings. He is our leader and he is our commander. He's called the light of the world and the light of life. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah. 
Yet he is the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. He is called the Lord, our righteousness. He is called the Lord of hosts and the Lord of glory, the Lord God Almighty, the Lord of lords. He is Messiah. He is the man of sorrows. He is the man that is my fellow, declared by the Father. He is the mighty God. He is most high. He is the mighty one. He is mighty to save, and he's called most holy. He is the mediator between God and man. He is our mercy seat and our merciful and faithful high priest. He is our manna, the bread of life which cometh down from God out of heaven. Yes, he is the only begotten son of the Father, the only wise God. He is the omnipotent, the omniscient, the omnipresent, and the omnibenevolent God. Yet he is our offering for our sin. He is the prince of peace, and he's the preserver of men. He's called the plant of renown. He is not only the plant of renown, but he is precious. He is a prophet. He is priest. He is physician, and he is our portion. He's the root of David, and he's the ruler in Israel, and the judge of Israel. He's our redeemer. He's our ransom, which was paid for our debt. He is the resurrection of the life, and he is the rock of ages. Yet he is called the root out of a dry ground. He is the star of Jacob, and he is the son of righteousness. He is the shepherd and bishop of our souls. He is called the good shepherd, the chief shepherd. He leadeth Joseph like a flock, for he is the shepherd of Israel. And David said, the Lord is my shepherd. He is the shadow of a great rock and a weary land. He's our sword and our scepter, our spear and our shield. He is our buckler and he is the lifter up of our heads. He is the Son of God, and He's the Son of Man. He is the blessed, the Son of the Blessed, and the Son of the Highest. He's the Son of David, and the seed of the woman. He's the seed of Abraham, and He's our Savior. He's the scapegoat, and He is the strength of our life. He is the truth personified, absolutely true, and absolute truth. He's our teacher, and he is the testator of the new covenant. He is also the tender plant, the tree of life, and he's the true vine. He is the witness of God. He is the word of God. He is the wisdom of God. He is the only way to God. He's our wall of fire. He is wonderful, and he is the well-beloved of all who are in him. Praise his holy name. Brothers and sisters, will you shout amen? Amen and amen to Christ this evening. Praise the holy name of the Lord. He is unspeakable. God's unspeakable gift. When we look at him, he dazzles our eyes. When we think of him, it swallows up our thoughts and confounds our imaginations. There are no comparisons by which we can illustrate him. And if we would talk one to another about him, words would falter on our lips. And if we would give things to God for him, we would, thanks to God for him, we know not what to say, for praise would sit silent on our tongue. The marvelous, the glorious, 
the wonderful, the fantastic, the majestic, the magnificent Lord Jesus Christ. He is unimaginable and he is indescribable. He is undeniable and he is inexplicable. He is all reliable and he is unattainable. He is unexplainable and he is unsearchable. He is God's unspeakable gift to you and me. Now, what do you say, brothers and sisters? Isn't he a wonderful Savior? Isn't he a wonderful Lord? He's a wonderful, wonderful God. Yes, this precious one, the very darling of heaven, the bosom which was in the Father, the Father's will and mind and testament came forward. The Word of God, which was God and is God, came flesh that he may die in a sinner's place like me. Oh, bless his name. Romans 5 and verse 17. Romans 5 verse 17 says, For if by one man's offense death reigned. No, if by one man's offense death reigned. Here we are speaking of Adam. Much more they which receive the abundance of grace. Notice they which receive, much more they which receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness shall reign in life by one Jesus Christ. Adam had a, a, had a great fall. Adam's fall was so great that he died before God, as it were. And when Adam fell, we fell. But in Christ, this one whom is unspeakable was given on to you and unto me. And he was clothed in flesh. And he went to the cross. And he hung and he bled and he died in your room and in mine, in your stead and in mine. And because of him, all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And those who are saved are righteous before God, are the Declared justified in his sight. And those who are saved and washed in the blood. They will enter that place where Paul says there are words which were unspeakable and not lawful for me to utter. That great kingdom of God which is yet to come. And we look forward to the day of Christ's return. Notice the word here abundance is the word parousia. And it means exceeding measure something above the ordinary. Exceeding measure, something above the ordinary. And what Paul is saying, those who have received the the abundance of grace, notice the abundance of grace. Everybody on this planet are under grace. Do you know that? Every single one. There are some are under law and under grace. In other words, it's called common grace. The rain will fall on the just and the unjust. The sun will shine and their crops will grow and they'll eat the same food that you eat, yet they know not the Savior. Yet he still gives them breath in their lungs and their hearts still beating to see if they'll call upon the name of the Lord and be saved and not be gone to a devil's hell on the road to destruction. That's grace, brothers and sisters. But there's abundant grace. There's a grace with a life that Christ gives. Eternal life in the fullest of measure. And it's unspeakable. You cannot tell it. You cannot tell it. And we will reign with Christ. We have the gift of his righteousness. It's an exceeding measure. And it's something above the ordinary. So we're not like living in the grace of everyday man. God would have been justified when Adam sinned. To just put planet earth right out of existence. But God had a plan for man, and God had a plan for mankind, and God will fulfill all his purpose. Brothers and sisters, let's go to the last point. Thank you for your attention. First Peter chapter 1 and verse 8. In whom, having not seen you love, 
in whom, though now you see him not, you don't see him, you see him not, yet believing ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Unspeakable words and unspeakable gift. Now we have unspeakable joy. Ye rejoice with joy unspeakable full of glory. Puritan John Boys said of Thomas, when Thomas would not believe till he seen the wounds in Christ's hands and feet and side, Puritan John Boys says, Thomas acknowledged the divinity he did not see by the wounds which he did see. Thomas says, I'll not believe, and Jesus appears and shows him his wounds, and Thomas falls before him and says, oh, my Lord and my God, or if you read that in the red context, it means, oh, you're the Lord of me, and you're the God of me. He sees the wounds in the hands of Christ, the wounds in his feet, and he sees his riven side, and he goes, my Lord and my God, risen from the dead. And he knew he was divinity, he knew his deity because of the wounds. He saw him. He knew that he was dead and now he's alive again. We have not seen with the physical eye, but one day we will. We have not seen with the physical eye, but one day we will, and we shall behold him. We shall see him in his glorified condition and we shall be like him in our glorified bodies. Ask Paul, who heard unspeakable words. Ask Paul, who tells us in 1 Corinthians 15 that we will be caught up and we will be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye or in an atom of time. And our bodies will be fashioned like unto Christ's glorious body. And we will see him in our glorified bodies, looking upon him face to face. And we'll look upon him through unrestrained eyes and with unhindered vision. And until then, the Holy Spirit is like the almighty spiritual pen of the Father who dips the nib into the indelible ink of the Word of God and paints a masterpiece of Christ upon our souls and imprints him into our enlightened minds. We see him, yet we have not seen him with our eyes. Every time you read the scriptures, look for him. Old Testament, New Testament, prophets, the law. When you come into the gospels and to the letters and the revelation of Jesus Christ, Genesis, the revelation, look for him. He's there. He's unspeakable. Listen to what Peter says, whom having not seen you love, though now you see him not, yet believing you rejoice with joy unspeakable, joy unspeakable and full of glory. The word here rejoice, it simply gives the meaning of to be exceeding glad and greatly rejoice, to be exceeding glad and greatly rejoice. Let me give you an example. In Acts chapter 3 and verse 3, though, 
Peter and John go to pray at the temple and there's a man who's lame from his mother's womb lying at the gate called Beautiful and they, 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 create, uh, they do the miracle with him. They grab him by the hand saying, silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And they grab and pull the man up and his ankle bones and feet receive strength. And this is what we're told. We're told and the man went into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. See the word leaping? It's the exact same word with joy or rejoicing with joy unspeakable. It's the same word rejoice. It comes from a root word which means to jump up and down. I'm going to make a fool of myself, but here we go. The man who couldn't walk was going, Jesus hid me, Jesus hid me. That's the way he was going. Praise God, Jesus hid me, Jesus hid me. And now this is, look at you, you agent. Oh, but if you have sampled Christ, you will jump Jesus, Jesus. Jesus, save me. Jesus, save me. Let's soon knock the starch out of our collars. Christ, Christ alone, I've paid the debt of all he's done. This man went walking and he was leaping and he was shouting, Hallelujah! Jesus saved me! Jesus hid me! I couldn't walk, but look at me, folks! Look at me! Oh, such should be the testimony of every blood-washed Christian! Jesus saved me! I was addicted and he set me free! I was an alcoholic and he delivered me! I was a drug addict and he took me out of the way from it. I was this and I was that. And I was a sinner. But Jesus saved me. Jesus saved me. I went to see that online. <laughs> That's the way it is. Mary's Magnificat. When Mary is, goes and, and she starts to, to rejoice in God. She says, my... My soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. It's the exact same words and it gives the idea that she's overflowing in the spirit that the spirit of God inside her is making her spirit go. My soul magnifies the Lord. Listen, see you want to jump in church? I don't care. As long as it's on to him. And no showboating, just on to him. Glorify him. And we threw off the shackles. Started to be free. I close. Thank you for your attention. You rejoice with joy, unspeakable. The word here for unspeakable is slightly different. It's the word anakalitos. It means something not spoken out, unutterable. Unable to be told. It speaks of a believer's joy who have tasted and seen that the Lord is good. In other words, to put it in the, in where I came from, backstreet, Belfast lingo, it's better felt than told. You must experience him. You must come to know him. How does someone like you and I 
witness of this great Christ. How do we tell of this wonderful Savior? How do we witness of what it is to have your sins forgiven? And even though you fall, you don't fall off the rock, you fall upon the rock. And he lifts you back up again. Oh, how do we express that to others? But through the Holy Spirit. Sins forgiven, we're cleansed, we're washed, we're justified and righteous. Chains are broken, fetters torn asunder, burdens lifted, yokes destroyed. Captives set free, addictions abolished. Devil is defeated in your life and the darkness is gone and the shadows flee. Kingdom bound and millennial reign with Christ. Jumping up and down and rejoicing with joy unspeakable and it's full of glory. We're heaven bound, we're kingdom bound. It's indescribable. It's unspeakable. This is the unspeakable. The unspeakable words. The unspeakable gift of Christ. And the unspeakable joy of having him. It's all about him. It's the unspeakable words where we'll find ourselves serving and glancing and worshipping, staring and gazing upon the unspeakable gift, which is Christ himself. And in that kingdom, he will say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Enter thy into the joy of thy Lord. It's joy unspeakable and full of glory and the half, half never yet been told. I trust we'll all be there. I trust you know him as your saviour.